family. We're just sitting around talking. I feel like when you come to church, I don't care. When you come to church, it's family day. Yeah. It's the family of God. And um, I love to come to church. I, I love church. Um, some people don't, but I don't want to come on Sundays. I love to have fun at church. Yep. You can't have fun at church, and I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's not the it's not the church. No. Nah. You know, the joy it's, of the Lord is our strength, is it not? Yes, yeah, it is. That's right. We can say a lot of songs, there's a lot of great words, but we have to believe what we're singing. I believe the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. And I believe I got the joy to share other people. Yeah. Not in here. Yep. I mean, I come in here and raise my hands all day long. It's great. But when I leave here, I want to take that with me. Yep. To give it to other people. We had a prophecy yesterday in the men's ministry, and, and you know, I realized that this is Joy Lane. Our church is on Joy Lane. This is 93 Joy Lane. But the word of the Lord that came yesterday was that this was going to be a place where people's joy was restored. And so last week, uh, in Father's Day, as the father of the house, I just released you into your gifts. In the building, but outside of the building. You, You know, you're released into what God has placed on your life and in your life as gifts. Uh, and in releasing you to, the, to do that and to share the good news, let me tell you about my Jesus. Uh, have you had an opportunity this week? I'm not looking for answers. I'm just thinking about are you really looking for the opportunities uh, to use your gifts and just to tell, let, tell people about your, your Jesus. So what's your assignment? How many of you are familiar with TikTok or Instagram Reels? Anybody going to be honest with you? No. Yeah, TikTok and Reels. And there's a little song out there that people put a video to, and it says, uh, what was that, Jen? I understood the assignment. There you go. So you can't understand your assignment if you don't know what your assignment is. Um Go with me to Mark, the 16th chapter. We're going to look at a few things. Do you know Jesus had an assignment and a purpose? In coming from heaven to earth to reveal to us the Father and say we're called Christ-like or Christians uh, imitating Christ, he had an assignment and he says what he came in the world to do, he was going to give us an assignment to do. So look at Mark, the 16th chapter, verse 15. Jesus speaking, and he said to the disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, that's the good news, to every creature, and he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe in the name of Jesus. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Lord, give us a new tongue. Not much amen in there. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not by any means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Uh, You have an assignment. I have an assignment. Jonathan has an assignment. I believe there are assignments specifically given to us, and this morning our assignment is to share with the body of Christ at Grace Life. But all of us have an assignment when we walk out the doors, and it's just what Taryn let us in. Let me tell you about my Jesus. We need to be sharing Jesus everywhere that we go. But let's look at the original will and 
intent of the father for his children from the get-go. Go to Genesis, the first chapter, laying a little foundation here, talking to you about what your assignment is, what my assignment is. The, the original will of the father and his intent for his children is found in verse 26 through 28 of Genesis, the first chapter. Go ahead. I'll read that. And here's, a, here's what's cool about it. Is he got to the intent and the point of it at the very beginning. Let's get this out of the way. This is, this is what it's all about. Yeah. As soon as he created the world, he said, okay, here's what, here's what your assignment is. Very beginning. Then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle. Over all the earth, your little town, where you live, your yeah. little community, your house, yep. wherever. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Come on, everybody. Yeah. Blessed Thank the already. Lord. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So he placed in us from the get-go, from the very beginning, he placed in us, in this world, not to be dominated by the world, but to reign and rule over it with him. That's your assignment. And by the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you are doing that now. He, you know, what happened in the garden kind of made man think that uh, they weren't uh, in union with God. We were separated and enemies uh, with God in our own minds. Never in the scripture does it say that God separated himself from us. Because if you look at the story when Adam and Eve sinned, they go and hide themselves from God. God comes looking for them. He didn't separate himself from them. He's looking for them because he gave them an assignment, and that assignment didn't change. Listen intently for just a second to this statement. As a believer, your immorality does not change your immortality. <laughs> Think about it. You're a believer. You've received the gift of salvation, your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life with indelible ink, Rome, uh, Revelation 3, 5. Can't, can't be erased from the book, written in his blood. So your immorality does not change your immortality. Now it will wreck and ruin your life and you won't enjoy your, the benefits of your assignment to subdue, to, to, to rule, to reign because you'll think that you're separated from God in your own mind because of your sin. Go listen to last week's message about how the Father sees you and how you should see the Father. So here's, yeah, look at this. To subdue means to, to overcome, to conquer, and to dominate. We're not dominated by sin any longer. No. Sin has no rule over us because we're under grace. We have dominion. That means that we exert power over the enemy doesn't overcome you because you are overcome by the blood of the lamb. You overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb. Now, he will try to discourage, depress, distract. He will uh, harass. He will oppress. But you are a believer, and gr the greater one lives in you, and you cannot be overtaken by the weaker one. Now, there are those in the world who have not surrendered to the power and the authority, and they have been overcome 
by the enemy. And they need to be uh, dominated by grace in the blood of Christ. To multiply, of course, means to increase in number. And then to fill it, what should we be filling the earth with? His love, his joy, and his peace, the kingdom. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This doesn't mean that you don't love the people in the world because you are in the world, but not of the world. Do we understand that? We were talking about some examples of what can, how could we explain to the believer that they are in the world, but they're not of the world. Been out in the water, been on the water with it. And the point was, when I go out to the, go out and take my boat out to keep the plug in the boat so the water don't get in the boat. And so the point is, is the example we use is you're in the world and you have your boat. It's on the water, but I'm not in the water. The water's not in my boat, so I'm able to the boat's able to function properly. Right. So if we're if we don't allow the world to get in, but we're in the world, we can function properly and love people and encourage people like we're supposed to. Right. And uh, so, yes, it's a challenge to be in the world but not of it. It is. It's not easy. And um, but no, it's possible. And uh, so that's that. That was the thing. We we, we want to be the boats in the water, cruising along, but the water's not in the boat. Sure. So, like I said, we can function. We can do what God wants us to do. We can love people, and uh, we can exert power over the water because I'm in my boat, screw, moving along the water where it needs to be. So what? Now, here's the thing. If, if, if I didn't have the plug in my boat and I let the water get in, there's a pump that comes to the boat that pumps it out. Yep. But as long as water keeps coming in, the pump doesn't work. If we don't plug certain things in our lives or stop certain things that allows the world in and we just keep messing with it, we're never going to get where we need to be because we just keep letting the world in, letting the world in. Does that make sense? Yeah. If we don't change what we're doing, we're not going to have any different outcomes. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Well, for far too long, we've, uh, we've had a mindset within the church that promotes being separated from the world. You know, we, how can you be holy and called out? I mean, that's what the word church means, the ecclesia, the called out ones. So how can we be separated from the world, but yet we've been called into the world? Uh, there's a conundrum that a lot of people fall into, and what happens is, uh, they allow the water in the boat, and then they begin to sink, and then they throw their hands up and say, well, I thought I was supposed to be separated from the world, but in the world, and then the unbelief of the world swallows them up. See, there's a lot of unbelieving believers. Ask someone sometime from any church, what do you believe? What does your church believe? And I guarantee you the first five things that they tell, tell, tell you will be what they don't believe. Well, we don't believe in going to movies and we don't believe in women wearing makeup and we don't believe in this and we don't believe in it. I, I don't want to know what you don't believe. What do you believe? Um, not only that, not only the church. That's what your church believes in. But what do you, as an individual, do you know what you believe? Do you know? Right. Do we know ourselves what we believe in? Do we know how to take a stand? I mean, I'm not talking about taking a stand on Facebook because we want to get out there and just Roll everybody on Facebook because I believe this. No, what do we believe personally? You know, that's, that's kind of where I, for me, that's where it starts, for me. 
Well, a lot of times we've gotten into the place where we're just hunkering down in our holy bunker waiting to be evacuated. But if you hunker down, like I'm saying, we're going to miss out. If, if, if we just hunker down in our and say, you know, we're just, I'm just going to sit here, I'm just going to wait till God comes, or I'm just going to, we're missing out on what God wants us to do. Yep. The joy for me is to go out and encourage people, to help people. Now, I don't go out and look for that, okay? But with my job, what I do, I'm an electrician. So I'm in people's homes, I'm in, in people's businesses, and I just walk in and do my job. Sometimes they're discouraged, I might encourage them, give them a high five, or just fix their problems, give them a smile, and that's it. They've experienced the kingdom of God like that because it's in me by God's grace. And so it's that simple. You know, I'm not, we're, you know, when I heard this message when I was growing up about how we got to be, you got to be in the world, but not of it. I feel like, okay, I got to go out and I stand on the side of the road or I got to hold a sign up or I got to travel to a different world or I got to call people out. That's none of that. It's just love. It's just encouraging. Yeah. It's saying, hey, what's up? Give somebody a high five, man. Hey, man, can I pray for you? I, I go to a coffee shop. I love coffee shops. He loves coffee. The best revelation <laughs> I get are in coffee shops. And I'm not talking about Starbucks. God's okay with Starbucks, but I like the small town coffee shops. Will you really connect with people? Yep. Will you talk to people? And there's a little coffee shop in Sapopo where I work, just a few doors down from my office. And listen, Everybody in the town knows who I am. They know I'm kind of crazy. So there's no surprise when I walk into the coffee shop. Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? I give people a high five and encourage them. So listen, just be who God's called you to be. There's no I mean, people get the news to you. They get to know you. And they'll, be, they'll want to be around you because you got the joy. And they're like, well, you know, I like hanging around you because you're joyful. You're, you're encouraging. Well, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit yep. using you in the world but not of it. So Friday, we went to Food Truck Friday down here at the Main Street at the gazebo. Every Friday through the summer, they have Food Truck Friday. So Jennifer and Jonathan and I went down there for lunch on Friday. I'm standing in line waiting for our waters that we ordered. They go sit down, and Jonathan, with his personality, he walks up to a lady sitting at a table all by herself and says, we're going to sit with you. Is that all right? By the time that we all sat down and started talking to her, she starts sharing her story. Uh, the church that she attends, pastor left, that was a little searching, kind of not comfortable there, looking around. And then we sat down, told her where we were from, what we did. Hey, we're just half a mile down the block uh, on the right-hand side. She said, well, I think I'll try that out. But she was encouraged. When we were goofing That's off it. and laughing. By the time we see, and here's the thing. She was a little discouraged because her pastor was leaving. Yep. And we sat down there, and just by our conversation, having a good time, and they were encouraged and laughing when we, when we left. That's right. That's it. They experienced the kingdom of God. That's like that. Just like that. And then yep. later on, we had to go get a cake for Matthew for his birthday, Dairy Queen. There's and who the, did we see at Dairy we Queen? We ran into that same family. Same lady with her whole family. So I made a point to shake my hand and meet them. That's right. I mean, it's that easy. To me, that, it's, it's, it's that easy. And we well, had a Chick-fil-A. because God, God's when, chicken. Yeah. When God closes one door, he opens a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Listen to what Jesus said in John, the 17th chapter, verse 14 through 21. I'm not going to read all of it, but portions of it in John 4, uh, 17, 14. I have given you them your word. This is Jesus talking to the Father. He says, I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So Jesus made the proclamation that he, even though he came to the world, he was not of the world, and that he told his followers and those that believed in him that they were not 
of the world, and the world hated them because of it. Verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Now hold on one second. Would you look at that on the screen and in your Bibles? Jesus was praying to the Father, and he wasn't praying that the Father would take the believers, the disciples, out of the world because the world was getting bad. That's not his prayer. If that wasn't Jesus' prayer for his disciples then, that is not his prayer for the disciples now. So why are we so consumed with evacuation? I'm just reading the scripture. They should not be take you should not take them out of the world, but you should keep them from the evil one. He didn't only keep us from the evil one, he defeated the evil one. Verse 16, they are not of the world. This is the second time that he's proclaimed that they are not of the world. We are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth, your word. That word, word, is Jesus. He's the word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, what was God's assignment for Jesus to come into the world? Now I am also have sent them into the world. Our assignment, what is your assignment? Your assignment is the same assignment that Jesus had. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. That happened, if you'll read Hebrews 10.10, that's already happened. His plan for you is not to evacuate, but to populate, to subdue and have dominion. If the message is not only relevant for you after you die, it only prepares you for death and not for your life in this world. And most people are only preparing for death so that when they die, they can make heaven their home. But I would submit to you that Jesus already took care of that by his death. And if you'll believe that, your afterlife is fulfilled so that you can complete your assignment in this world. Go ahead. So, well... I mean, just a little bit. I mean, while the kingdom is not of this world, certainly for this world, we are created for this world. That's right. We are equipped for this world. Yep. We are made for this. We have the abilities and the tools to be the, the, the um, witness in the world, to, to be the light when there's darkness. Um, we have the ability. Well, we were whether we choose to use it, whether we choose the tools to pick right. those tools up is on us. Yep. God's not going to force us to be that way, but he'd love us for it to be that way. And if you want to make a difference and you want to inspire, and you want to encourage, and you want to be blessed on top of that, pick up those tools and be the, be the light. Well, we were talking Church. about Jesus said, greater things you shall do than I have done. That doesn't mean that Jonathan Dupee is going to be greater than his master and that he will do greater miracles than Jesus did. What it means is he is one member I am one member. You are, we are all many members of one body together around the world. We can, do, we can do more for the kingdom of God than Jesus did as one man in the earth. It's more fun to do it together than by yourself, I think. Well, if, if, the, if, the world's, if the Bible says our life is life be more abundantly, to me, that's it. We're going to walk this walk with other people, with other brothers. Yep. His plan is a family plan. Come on, somebody. And family his plan is for plan. us to function as the family in the earth. 
this is just me, but I don't believe that your assignment is to be a soldier. Not saying that we're not soldiers, but I don't believe that your assignment, who are you fighting? There's songs out there that we sing, but we don't believe the theology of them. Why are you fighting a battle that's already been won? When we listen to Caleb and we listen to it, but we don't believe we got to suit up. No, he's calling us to be a family that functions in the earth because the earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Your assignment, my assignment, is to operate as a son in the kingdom of God that's been placed in this world to change it. Let me look at a word here. Let's look at the word apostle. Is that, yeah. It means one who is sent. We have glorified this, and I believe there is an office of, of a apostolic calling. Uh, I believe in the fivefold ministry of the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. But the word itself, apostolos, is used in other places. But it also it is um, a word that's used for the apostles, the twelve disciples. Um, but the word means an agent or an ambassador that's sent to another country, to a foreign land. So let's look at that for a second. Look at 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 20, where this word apostolos is used. It's been translated in English as ambassador, but it's this Greek word apostolos. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 20 says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though we were pleading, he was pleading through us, that we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. So we are ambassadors. Uh, we're diplomatic. We have the, we're an agent of the highest rank. We've been sent by a sovereign government to another land as representatives of that government, the kingdom of God, because we are not citizens here. Our citizenship is of heaven, which makes us an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven on the earth. We represent the interest of the king's government in the earth. Go ahead. An ambassador, when you think about ambassador for our government, when they go to a different country, they have to go represent the government. They represent the United States. But what's behind them? The full power of the American government is in the hands of the ambassador. That's right. That means we have the full power of the kingdom of God behind us, supporting us, having our back to, to be the ambassadors for Jesus. Sent ones to bring that rule and that reign of that country to a foreign country, if you and I are traveling and we are in India and we need diplomatic help, we go to our embassy, our ambassadors are there. When we step inside the gates of that community where the embassy is, we are now on U.S. soil. The, the United States has full rule and reign there. The word apostle, when the the Roman government came to uh, Israel, Palestine, they sent apostles. The Roman government sent apostles. The assignment of those apostles was to make every region, they would conquer it, 
then they would make everything about that region Roman. So that if Caesar, the emperor, would come to that territory, when he stepped into that territory, it would be as though he had never left Rome. Can you picture this? Father God has sent you as an ambassador into this world, not so that you can be evacuated from it, so that you could be about the Father's business, changing it through the power of the Holy Spirit, ruling and reigning over it, so that when Christ does come, and He has come, He is coming and He is to come, that when He steps onto the earth, that it is as if He had never left heaven. It's what the, the apostles did. I believe that you have an assignment to be apostolic. I'm going to give you an assignment right now. Go to Grace Challenge. Challenge. You want to look at? Yeah. Go to GraceLifeWV.com. Go to what we believe. You will see the methods there, and you will see we've used the mnemonic graceful. G stands for generous. R. You just look at all that. Well, when you get to A, it's going to say apostolic. Because we believe in an apostolic calling for all of the saints, the believers, the family of God, to be ambassadors sent into the world. That's your assignment. To say, let me tell you about my Jesus. What we're going to talk about Jesus, the goodness of God, the love of the Father. We are citizens of another world sent into this world to bring heaven to earth. You know, something else that I was, when we were singing that song, that let me tell you about my Jesus, it also said that every sinner can be saved. We are also called, I mean, that's part of baptism, is to believe the same thing. Every sinner can be saved. We have to believe that. We yes. have, when we approach people to encourage, we have to know that, hey, even though they're not living right, even though they're way out there, we as a church have to believe that they can be saved. Right. It's part of, of, of loving them. An ambassador has to believe that. You know, because right. the full power of God is is it was, it was with them when they go out, and that that's just encouraging to me because, you know, you and I grew up under, under so many things, and all oh, this sin is bad, this is bad. No, every sinner can be saved, and let me tell you about my Jesus. Yeah. That's what we're called to do. Because right. yeah. tell them about we Jesus. all got stories to tell. Yes, but if we don't tell them, they're not going to hear it. That's and right. it's just it's it, and I believe in my heart. This is just me, and I'm, but. People are hungry for this. They, they, yeah. they, they want to hear stories. They want to hear amazing yeah. stories about your Jesus. They want to hear wonderful stories about your testimony, how, how you came through things, how your business wasn't, was not here, and then how God took it to the next level, or how your, how your child was almost dead or, or was out sin and God saved. They, they want to hear because they, they want to grab onto something yeah. that's real. Bigger than and they Jesus are. is real. Yeah. And what's their cause? They want a cause to give. What's your cause? What, they want hope. I mean, we've got it. You, you've got it. You're called for that. Amen. I mean, I'm just sharing. I'm just no, sharing. My, it's all, my, my. If we had three or four Jonathans around here, we'd have to have three or four services every Sunday. <laughs> because I'm telling you, everywhere he's been this week with us, he's told somebody about Jesus and Grace Life. You know, this is just me. I, I believe in my company, Freedom Electrical Services. I believe in my company. And I tell them, yeah, we're, we're the best at what we do. My guys are the best, and, and we go out there and we do a good job. Now, I can say that, but if I don't back that up, <laughs> like when my, goes, my, my guys go out and they fix an electrical problem, it doesn't fix, if he doesn't fix it the first time, we go back and we take care of the situation. We do it right the first time. Why? Because we say that going in. Yep. 
And so if we're going to say that, hey, Jesus loves everybody, then we have to believe that. And so emulate it. Yeah, we, we have to. So I can't just give lip service in, in, in my business, in businesses. I have to back that up with facts right. and proof. So you are an ambassador with an apostolic calling in the earth, but you are also a priest. We are a kingdom of priests. Go with me to 1 Peter, the second chapter, verse 9, talking about our assignment. 1 Peter 2.9, it's probably familiar to a lot of you, and it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you should proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. As a priest serving before the Lord in the kingdom of God, you are you and I have an assignment to praise Him who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. As we do that, people will see that you have come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and they'll want that change within their own life. So what did a priest do, and what does a priest do in the new covenant? We have to look at what the priest of the old covenant did to understand what our priesthood, what we do. Now let's look at a few things here as you uh, get your notebooks out to write these down, Revelation 5.10 says that... Or you can take a picture if it's on the screen with your phone. That's right. We have been made a kingdom of priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. We're reigning on the earth now as priests. The present tense of this Greek verb here indicates that the reign of believers is on the earth. Stop waiting to go to heaven to reign with Christ. You are reigning now as a believer. You are a priest before your God now. And as a kingdom of priests in this world, let's look at a few things on the screen here. The priest in the old covenant burned incense. And we release the aroma of God into the earth. The Song of Solomon says, that you are my spices, my lovely one, my bride. It's talking about you. You release the aroma of the kingdom, that incense that goes up to God, you release that in the earth as a kingdom of a kingdom of priests. What type of smell are you leaving behind? What type of smell am I leaving behind? If we were around Jonathan this week a few times, Crop dusting everywhere is <laughs> telling on my brother. <laughs> We're not a stench in the nostril of God when we leave the residue of the kingdom no, behind. But we can be. And the, and, and the, the problem, some of what I look at sometimes, and whether you agree or disagree with it, is um, people can relieve a, a good aroma or a bad aroma. But it seems like when when they do it on Facebook or they do it on social media, it, re, it they they try to paint the whole church as that's what's who they are. And which is not fair, but it happens that way. Yep. And so, um, unfortunately, that, that happens. But my thing is, what kind of aroma are we leaving in the area where, where we're at? Yep. In your little town, in your little community. What kind of aroma are we leaving with our church? Um, what kind of room are we leaving in our, with my company, with my business when I leave somebody? Yep. Um, just example, 
I had a guy go out, do a service call the other day. As soon as he left, 10 minutes later, the customer called and said he did a wonderful job. We'll have him back anytime. We left a good aroma. Yeah. That right. can happen with the kingdom of God as well. Yes. They, you, you, you leave someplace, hey, something about that guy, something about that young lady, something that draw me to that person. It's, 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 I'm, it's, it's, it's nothing about, I'm not making nothing about us. I'm just making about the Holy Spirit yes. that can allow you to, to do that, you know. And listen, sometimes you, you have pretty young ladies come by or and the, your wife wears a beautiful aroma, and it's like this triggers something in you, you know what I'm yep. saying? The same with the Holy Spirit, just kind of triggers something like, oh, yep. wow. Absolutely, yeah. Kind of stirs you up a little bit. Draws your attention to Yeah, it. draws your attention. Your yep. wife likes for your people to draw her attention. Gets your attention. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. Same with the Holy Spirit. It's called Frozen. That's my favorite one. <laughs> we'll just we're continue with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> the priests were the only ones in the old covenant that could declare you your healing. If you were sick under the law, you had to go to pr- to the priest so he could declare you healed. That's why Jesus tells the lepers, go and show yourself to the priest because the priests under the law were the only ones that declare you were he- healed. If you are a priest, what should you be declaring to people that you come in contact with? You should be de- declaring their healing. If someone shows up in your presence, again, I've said this many times. I don't find any prayers that Jesus prayed. He only made declarations when it came to healing people. The only prayer that he prays publicly is at the tomb of Lazarus, and it wasn't so God would do something. He said, I'm praying this prayer so those around me may believe. But when he encountered the blind man, he said, Behold, be well. When he encounters the man at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years, he's been there laying with no help to get into the pool. He says, do you want to be made whole? So he declares healing over him. You are a kingdom of priests. Everywhere you go, you should be declaring healing over people. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But why have we gotten into the mode? And again, there's nothing wrong with laying hands on people, having people come forward for healing, but we don't have to beg God and tell God how good that person has been for them to be healed. God is good all by himself, and it's his goodness that brings healing to people through the stripes that were laid on Jesus' back. So let's declare healing as priests. We Go ahead. I pray for my food when I go to the restaurant. No, that's up to you. <laughs> Listen, back at the blame of hands, I don't think you're saying when you're out in public, hey, come here, come here, let me hand, let my hands on you. I, I think in passing, you, you, you see a young lady or see a young man that's not feeling good. Hey, you know, Jesus, just, just, I mean, you can, it's as simple as that. And all the reason yeah. I'm saying that is because you're not saying to go up to somebody in the, unless God leads, leads you, that say, hey, in a supermarket or in Aldi's or wherever and say, hey, I'm going to pray for you, man. I'm going to lay hands on you. I mean, we're not saying that, you know. You, you know make, the I'm Lord I'm may lead you to do simple, that. Yeah. You know, and, uh, so there's been times where the Lord may lead you to do that. Yeah, yeah. But there are also times that every time you see someone that's lame in their foot or someone that may you may think that has cancer that it's an obvious uh, they've lost hair from chemo and just say a prayer over them, declare healing and life over them as you go by. Um, we should be declaring healing everywhere we go. The priest served bread and wine. What are you serving people? And the bread and wine is the body and the blood of Jesus. Are we serving Jesus to those that we come in contact with? Uh, Or are we serving them our political agenda? 
point of view. Our well, point of view, our opinion. Yeah, our opinion. Uh, we should be them. serving bread and wine as priests before the Lord. Good. You got anything? Moving on. You are to keep the fire burning. The priest had an assignment to keep the fire burning. And how do we keep the fire burning, brother? You're just encouraging people. You're encouraging them. Just go up to them and say, hey, good morning. How you doing? Hey, hey, you look good today. Hey, good to see you. Keep on going. Don't quit. Hang in there. Hang in there. Encourage him. I believe, for me, this is just me again, but encouraging goes a long way. Yeah. You change their countenance. You put a smile on their face. That goes a long way. Sometimes I'll go to customers' houses, and they'll kind of won't be very happy. Man, I'll try to change their countenances or encourage them when I leave. Usually I do because I fix electrical problems, so yeah. that's part of it. But I try to leave it more than that, you know? Le- leave a good impression on them with the Holy Spirit. Yep. And encourage, I, when, I, when I see guys at the coffee shop or I see guys out and about, I mean, I just encourage them. Yes. And to me, I think that just comes back on you. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, saying, we're sharing all the stuff that we should do as priests and, and called to do. But at the end of the day, too, it comes back on us. That what we do for the kingdom of God, God blesses us with at the same time. That's right. Is that not true? Oh, yeah, you're if I, when I seeds. encourage somebody, when I call you on the phone to encourage you, it encourages me back. Yep. There's times that I'm, I'm having a bad day, and I'll call up my buddies and, hey, man, this is what's going on, and, and it'll encourage me. Yeah. And I can go encourage somebody else. But to me, keeping the fire burning, encouraging one another to keep going is so important. Oh, yeah. We are to teach and to instruct. Christ said, go into the world and make disciples, teaching them. We have an assignment to teach and to instruct making disciples. That doesn't mean in coming and I'm lording over you and telling you what you've done wrong. It's to teach and direct using people's mistakes and wrong decisions to help them, guiding them in a way that they can see uh, the benefit of the kingdom of God and serving God instead of the decisions that they continue to make that brings hell on earth into their life. You did that next one. I skipped it. I'm sorry. Well, also, something that we settled, settled disputes. Blessed are the peacemakers. They are called the sons of God. Have we ever been in a situation where we tried to settle the make peacemakers, or do we just record it and just say, hey, you know, or we ever tried to come in and, and, and fix it? I mean, sometimes it's not easy to, to settle, dis- settle disputes and, and become peacemakers, but we are called to that. And encouraging one another can be part of yeah. peacemaking right. and encourage them to, to think of something else. What we're really not called to do is to stir up the situation. And we use wisdom in that area when it comes to settling settling. Um, you're not most of the time. You're not going to change people's minds on Facebook if you try to stir people up or or or, or, or argue the point. But you just we got to just settle. You're going to get exhausted, is what you're going to get. It but takes so much to, energy. Yeah, it is. Billy Graham said that we should have a redemptive relationship with the world, just as Jesus did. Everything about relationships that we have with people should be redemptive. If it's not redeeming people, bringing them back, restoring them, giving them their life back through the kingdom of God and what Christ has done, then we're, we're outside of the parameters of our assignment and it won't bring healing, it won't bring help, 
It will just discourage and it will bring condemnation on people. And in that condemnation, they'll relive their guilt. They'll feel hurt and wounded again. That causes them to draw away from the church where they can see that should be seeing the Father revealed. Romans 5 verse 17 says, By one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more, those who have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Taryn, if you would come and just begin to play. Remember this, okay? Remember these three things here. God created the world and everything in it. Do we believe that? God created it and everything in it. Number two, there, there are inhabitants of the world whom the Father loves and whom Christ died for, John 3, 16. God so loved the world. We learned a few weeks ago that that word world is the blue spinning ball, all the inhabitants on it, and all of their human characteristics and cultures. He loved it. He loves it still. And three... There is a worldly system based upon greed, self, and pride. It is the world system and the philosophy that we are in, but we are not of. Our call is to be transformative, not conformative. We've conformed for too long, and we cannot properly convey the message of the cross the finished work of Christ and the good news of the Father's love without leaving the church building. Okay, I'm going to say that again as you sit up on the edge of your seat and wake up and turn your hearing aids up. Okay, We can't properly convey the message of the cross, the finished work of the cross, the good news of the Father's love without leaving the building and actively getting involved in the world. Um, what's your assignment? Let me tell you about my Jesus. You can't do it if you're going to just come here on Sundays, which a lot of people have stopped doing around the world anyway, everywhere, not just here. There's a lot of people that just don't connect with a community of faith on a weekly basis any longer, where they can be helped, encouraged, build up, then sent out to actively pursue their assignment in loving the world. Right. Um, you know, it, what we love, I think, will promote. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. So, I love my church, Victory Tulsa. I promote that because I know, I believe that the message that comes across makes a difference in a person's life. I believe. Grace life is the same way. I believe that this church has the ability to make a difference in people's lives by coming one time. And I promote that. And I would, I would ask if you believe to promote that as well. Because God is that type of God. And grace life is that type of place that equips you to go out and to do what God wants you to do and have fun doing it. Not putting nothing on us. The point today, I just want to throw this out there, is to encourage you guys to go out and just be the church.
period. Not go out and hang in signs here. Get, uh, no, there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, it's just going out and being Jonathan. Going out and being Jamie. That's all. And just, that's it. There's, there's nothing, there's no formula for that. There, there's, there's nothing hard on that. There's, there's nothing rules on that. It's just being that person. And if we could just be the church and love people, we would make a difference quicker than anything. You know, COVID changed a lot of things in, in, in life. But I believe people are wanting to get back to the personal things. Why? Because God is a personal God. Yeah. Well, um, there's a great Christian researcher who does a lot of statistics, um, and his name just slipped me, but he said that since COVID, people are waiting to be invited. Even though they were part of a community of faith, there still is this um, something inside of them that they desire to feel wanted and welcomed and so they're waiting for an invitation. Well, most of that invitation needs to come from other people in the church, not the church leaders writing them a letter saying, hey, we missed you. We want you to come back. But people are excited about it and just want to feel welcome. The same thing with businesses as they open back up. They want, they want to get back out and do things, but we put advertisements out there, word of mouth. That's how people come to your, to your businesses, and that's how people are going to get back in church. Uh, they're going, and listen, I can look around, you can look around, and you can see that attendance is down. Uh, there's a ton of vacations going on right now. Kathy and Brian Armstead are uh, at home this morning. Uh, their neighbor, 33 years old, Cameron, had a heart attack this week. But you know, they didn't get to come to church this morning, but they're being the church because Cameron and his wife have seven children and Brian and Kathy have those seven children at their house right now so Cameron could go to the hospital uh, and get the treatment that he needs. 33 years old with a heart attack this week. Um, Pastor Jen is at home with COVID. Um, she, she's, she desires to be here. She's watching. Can't be here. Uh, lots of people that are like, you know, Callie Joe, don't forget this young lady. She's delivering this baby right now, and she's going to have a surgery in two hours, one on her ankle and one on the other leg. She broke uh, her tibia and fibula in her right leg. Um, I tried to be a pastor to them last night, praying with them on the phone, checking with them this morning. I'll be going to see her uh, this afternoon. But we all have an assignment to be light and salt, to share Jesus in our community and it's not a difficult thing you don't have to be a bible thumper you don't have to be a sign carrier god may give you something creative to do but all we're saying is as you go out into the world and you're an encourager and you are declaring healing over people and you're serving bread and wine to them and you become a sweet aroma that when you leave the residue of the kingdom of god has been left behind i mean so let's stand the residue the impression the inspiration has, has left behind in the seeds. You know, you're saying about the church, the church. You guys are going to all stand. Well, I'm, I'm just going to take up a second. But church can be anywhere. You have your own salon. Church could be there. Church could be at the coffee shop, which is a great place. It could be anywhere. We had it yesterday under the tent at the yep. picnic table. Yep. It doesn't matter where. This is just a building. Yep. 
So don't limit yourself. That's all I just want to say. No, don't limit God in you. So, uh, you know, I believe that today what the Lord wanted us to do was just to be practical with our Christianity to help encourage you to go out. And this is not a ploy for you. Your first invitation should not be for people to come to Grace Life. I mean, we want people to come and get helped and healed. Your first invitation to people should be to Christ. We should be inviting people to come to Christ. As they come to Christ, they need a body to connect with where they can be, uh, you know, encouraged, strengthened, taught, uh, and their hurts and wounds healed. But let's invite people to Christ because the Spirit and the bride say come. Our invitation should be for people to come to Christ. So this morning as you leave, would you just, uh, let's go ahead, just let's bow our heads for just a moment. Let's contemplate and meditate on something that the Holy Spirit may want to speak to your heart right now. As you've heard these words of encouragement to, to go out into the world, not to be a part of the world, but that while you're in the world, you can be a light. You can bring transformation. What's the Lord speaking to you in your home, in your business, in your neighborhood, in the marketplace? Father, thank you that you are calling your children to continue to share and spread the news of the king and his kingdom. We want to interact with unbelievers and we want to have influence with them as we rule and reign in the, the kingdom. There's a lot of hostility in the world today. Father, but if your kingdom was of this world, your, your people would fight. But your kingdom is not of this world, so we're not taking up swords. We're bringing healing to the nations. Use our words, use our actions and our interactions to draw people to Jesus. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing in the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls, not only here but around the world that are sharing the gospel of Jesus. We want to be redemptive, Lord, so help us to call people to be reconciled to what you've done in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You have any-